The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series authored by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, with Larry Dixon and Veronica Jagger. Read and produced by Veronica Jagger. Suffer, Part One, written by Mercedes Lackey and Dennis Lee. It had been a very bad day. Vicky had been out on the parkour course this morning because she was out on the course every morning, and to break that pattern could make someone, Verdigree, take notice. Right now, having Verd take notice would be a disaster. The conspirators had to make everything look normal. Normal. As if anything could be normal now. She tried not to think too hard about Bull. She'd slipped into the Echo Hospital unit to see him what she could of him, under all the machines. He looked like a special effect, and not a good one. Nervous did not even begin to describe how tightly she was wound up. She didn't dare drug up this close to an op, but she was a hair away from a panic attack. Piled on top of raw nerves was worry over Bulwark. He was one of hers, the first to really believe in her in Echo, the first to give Overwatch a chance, and atop the nerves and the worry was guilt. If only he'd been wired. If only she'd found some way to get some sort of camera feed for the meeting. If only... It had been hotter than the Mojave Desert and dripping humidity, and she, of course, was out there in long sleeves, long pants, and gloves. She thought now she might have gotten a touch of heat exhaustion, but all she knew for sure was that there was one moment when she was jumping, or trying to, and reaching for a handhold, then there was a moment of blankness, and the next thing she knew, she was falling. Okay, she fell all the time, except this time she'd been halfway up the wall, and the automatic reaction was to scramble wildly for handholds to save herself. Her brain knew what to do, Her old reactions knew. The only way to make this suck less was to grab and let go, grab and let go, slowing your fall rather than stopping it. And every time she grabbed, she pulled and wrenched and strained things that really didn't want to be pulled, couldn't bear being wrenched, and tore under strain. By the time she hit the ground and rolled, her body was screaming with pain. Her skin felt like it had been shredded, her muscles were sobbing, her tendons. She just lay there on the ground for a very long time, her whole body a symphony of agony. Nobody was going to come, of course. Ever since encountering Jeanie one too many times on the course, she'd put a little spell in place to make people not see her when she was there. And this was how such things came back to bite you in the ass. Finally, she managed to move, but that was all she could take. No getting back on the horse today. Maybe not ever. She got herself off the course, dragged herself to her car, got home, fell on the couch, and assessed the damage. Or assessed it as much she could without undressing. Then she cried partly from the pain and partly from defeat. She had been trying to make some kind of physical recovery, trying so hard. 
Bella encouraged her, said it would help with the panic, said she needed to get out, join the field teams, that she could get back some of what she had been once, that it was going to work. But it wasn't, not when every time she went out, she seemed to do worse, not better. This is impossible. I can't do this. I should just stick with what I'm capable of. She hugged herself, rocking, shivering, crying, too sick with pain to even move to the bathroom. Even though she knew she couldn't afford to indulge herself like this, not when her team was counting on her and they would have to have her soon at the top of her game. Get yourself together. The team's ready. The vault's as cleared as pride can make it. Two hours. They'll need you and we have got to get the unit. That precious, precious Metis communication unit. Bella and Pride both agreed. Getting that unit was key. Right now, Metis might not know Tesla was dead. They certainly didn't know that there was someone very bad in charge. Bella was right. They had to get proactive. We, we can't chance Verdigree getting it, and we have got to get in touch with Merck and Nikola Tesla. Maybe help them knock some sense into Metis. That was the logical little voice in the back of her head. The rest of her just wanted to curl up around a bottle of pain pills and keep crying. She knew which part she'd listen to. Eventually. Just not right now. Not when it hurt so damn bad she was sick and it was all she could do to keep from opening a vein to make it stop. She heard the knock on her door. It had been a very bad day. But then, when was the last time he'd had a good one? Try as he might, Red Genie couldn't shake the voices. They threw their taunts, their jabs, and sharp daggers of accusation his way. Despite years of finely honed reflexes, he had not been fast enough to save Amethyst. For all his experience at reading people, for gauging their strengths, weaknesses, and character, he had not been shrewd enough to see through Harmony's act. And Jack? He had been stupid enough to trust Jack. Again. Yet the work continued. There was always more work to do. This time, he was determined to do it right. No more jobs on the fly. They had barely gotten out of the last one alive. Again, it had almost become a disaster because of him. Arrogance, self-preservation, even blind faith in his own stupid luck had placed not just him, but his entire team in danger. People he was responsible for. He was not about to admit he cared for them. Yet. He shrugged it off and ascribed his determination to do things right this time to a professional code of conduct. Watch their backs. They will watch yours. Do the job and get out alive. And he wanted to do this job, though he wasn't quite sure why. It wasn't for redemption, was it? Surely not. That never ended well. Pride? Faint glimmers of newly found heroic tendencies? Laughable. Nevertheless, they needed to do this, and he needed to help them. Of course, his first reaction had been far from positive. 
another vault job? I thought the point of me joining this outfit was to stop being a criminal bastard. It was Victrix, of course, who explained it to him. The others had thrown up their hands and walked away, letting Victrix calmly lay out the logic. How they were very close to losing their way to any foothold they still had on their own destiny. The revelation of the existence of a genuine angel was a bit of a shock, though Red still had his doubts about that, and had merely nodded to get Victrix to shut up about it. The legend of Metis, though, that had definitely fired up his imagination. So it was clear. The first step was to re-establish contact with them. And to do that, they needed what Victrix called, with heavy irony, the MacGuffin, neatly tucked away unbeknownst to Verdigree in Echo's own vaults. And for that, they needed to convince the thief. Eventually, even Victrix lost her patience. Unless, of course, she'd rather see Echo under control of the same guy that poisons water supplies so he can sell water purifiers to people who are dying of thirst. The same guy who planted harmony on us, who trained someone so treacherous she could not only kill Tesla, but flawlessly convince Bulwark she was a wounded bird until she could put a slug in him. Then she showed him the evidence. It was enough to convince even him. So they got to work, all of them. They planned it out, banging their heads together in secret every night for a solid week in Bella's cramped apartment. Victrix brought the floor plans and schematics. Yankee pried the guard schedules and postings for the vault. Jeanie his considerable tactical know-how for circumventing countermeasures. And Bella the bodies, the members of a conspiracy he hadn't even known existed. A conspiracy that had somehow managed to rope in Yankee Pride and Ramona Ferrari. A gal named Mel brought the booze and pizza and checks mix. Red Savior of the Commies offered a safe place to stash the MacGuffin when they got it. Ramona found the exact vault where the desk had gone, then mapped out a way to get to that vault that would skirt them past any opposition until they reached the building. And Bella, unable to contribute anything to the planning, came and went, often returning with armloads of black mesh outfits, weaponry, ammo, and other sundries. Unmarked, of course. The plan was solid, with smaller windows of opportunity than he was normally comfortable with, but solid. The only flaw, as far as Red could see, was they were still one man short. Or woman, rather. He paused for just a moment, then knocked on her door. Paranoia means you don't have a peephole in your door. You have a camera system. Paranoia means you don't even stand near the door to see who's there. Vicky stabbed at the camera control next to her with a shaking hand three times before she managed to turn it on, and the image of her visitor came up on her TV. Fear lanced through her. It was the Red Genie. Of all people, it was Genie. How? Why? Were they calling the raid off? Hope and despair battered her at the thought. Hope that they might have, and she'd have a little more time to get herself together. Despair that they might have, and they'd never get another chance. She jabbed at the microphone switch. Genie? She croaked her voice a harsh rasp. 
crying did that. She hadn't screamed, not even when she fell. She never screamed anymore. What? You sound terrible, he said, his voice clear over the intercom. Open up, Victrix. Let's talk. She didn't want to let him in. She didn't like letting anyone into her space, but she didn't want to let him in especially. Not at any time, particularly not now. I'm kind of sick, she said. Look, I'm in no shape to... Just tell me what you want. Is the op cancelled? That was safe enough to ask. They were Echo. It could be any op. No, he replied, his head turning to appraise the hallway. It was quiet. They seemed to be alone, but who could take chances? They had come too far. Let me in. Maybe we can talk face-to-face, you know, for a change. I'm sick, she repeated, and then had to grab for a wastebasket because she was. Great. Just great. Trust me, you don't want to be in here right now. And the heaving just made her whole chest and shoulders and stomach wail with pain. I can take it, he began. I've seen. No, she cried as her teeth clamped shut, fighting to keep her breathing steady and unlabored. Steady breathing. Hyperventilating only made the panic attack worse. Please, just... I'll be all right. I just have to. I need to get... Jeanie swore and counted to ten. Patience, he told himself. She doesn't want you to come in. Fine. You don't need to go in there, but she sure as hell needs to come out. Look, this... op. It was a clumsy way to go about it, arguing with strained words to avoid being overheard by the wrong sort of people, the sort who might go running to Echo's new boss and threw a microphone when she was just feet away on the other side of the door. He wasn't as good when he couldn't see the mark in question. He needed body language, facial cues, and... She's not a mark, he sighed. Stop thinking of her as a mark. You used to have friends, you know. Not everyone is a mark. Wait, since when? Just talk to her. Show some empathy for once in your godforsaken existence. He started again. This op, it... it needs... Damn it, girl, he's a teammate. He might even be a friend. You used to have friends, you know. I'm sorry, she said. I... I'll be ready. Really, I will. My word on it. I just... need time to... She paused. I, I, I need about an hour. Get this thing under control. Gotta have that. Can't afford to medicate on this one. It's not that, he interrupted. Okay, it's sort of that. It's about you being ready, but not in there. 
out here. What? Huh? Out here, he repeated. We were cut off last time. You've done the research, we're prepped, and there's precious little you're going to be able to do to help stuck in there this time. I want you out here, with us, when we go in. I can't run Overwatch from out there, she yelped. We don't need Overwatch, not this time. Think, think where... He paused. Think where this op is. You have tried to probe, but you said so. You can't. There's nothing down there you can hack. And you hit a wall with remote magic. It'll be a black hole for you except for our feeds. No more mediums, Victrix. I know what I said, but I'm not willing to mess with your magic when there's a simpler option. You're not channeling through me again, you hear me? We need you there. You. And... He paused. And you need this too. Her vision misted over Gray. She tried to say something, but all that came out of her mouth was a wail of pure panic. She couldn't even shape it into words. The door next to Jeannie slammed open, and he was shouldered aside by a dripping wet blue girl wearing only a towel. She had a key ring in her hand and was methodically opening every other lock. You freaking moron! What the hell is wrong with you? Bella snarled. Are you trying to push every panic button she has? She got the door open, squeezed through it, and slammed it in his face. God, she smells good, Jeannie thought. He thought of knocking again. He even raised his hand to rap on the door. And then what? Give his God-given talent at making things worse a go, while trying hard to ignore the surge in his blood every time he got in mild proximity to that hot smurf? And that was assuming he could even get in the door. Man down. We haven't even started.